official. Good. Very official. Yeah. We're having an official podcast episode recording today. There we go. <laughs> Boom. I was already on your Twitter page. Done. Nice. All right. Let's just jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 500 Greatest Films Podcast. My name is Hector Navarro. Sitting across from me is my good buddy, Mr. Keller Knobloch. Say hi, Keller. Hi, Hector. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to hear it. I have been so looking forward to watching this movie, and I've been so looking forward to having our guest on today to talk about this movie and other stuff, namely Watchmen. We're going to talk about Watchmen. (laughs) (laughs) But our guest, let's just jump into it. Our guest is a freelance writer and host. You've seen her work on Teen Vogue, Playboy, AV Club, The Advocate, The Hollywood Reporter, Polygon, Nerdist, all over the place. Uh, she's doing this incredible breakdown of Watchmen on HBO, which if you haven't been watching, uh, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want us to spoil too much. How are we going to do that? Here's the thing. I because I want to just get into like feelings and emotions. We're going to spoil the hell out of the movie we're talking about. Okay. But Watchmen, well, yeah. I, I just want to be about everything. You know. We can just pinpoint some themes. There's there a lot of overlap. Okay. Pinpoints yeah. and themes, a lot True. of overlap. Our guest today is Joelle Monique. Joelle, thank you so much for being thank here. You. Thank you guys for having me to so talk much. about this movie. Yes. So excited. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> well, it was just like a double bonus because we set you up for this movie months ago. Yes. And I was telling Keller, I'm like, oh my God, she's been crushing it with this Watchmen like breakdown. Well, we're, we, of course, also have to talk about Watchmen. But uh, let's just jump right in. So we have a couple of traditions on the podcast. Joelle, we just described to you right before we started mm. what the second one was. So we're yes. going to ask you up one of your picks. But before that, Keller, come down. It come down. It comes down to you for the first tradition. Uh, he is going to read from Empire Magazine, which is a British magazine. Ooh. He's going to read the blurb that they wrote on the movie that we're talking about today in a stuffy British guy voice. I love it. That's Let's go. What we're doing. So Keller, what movie <laughs> are we talking about tonight? Four hundred and three. <laughs> Do the right. Thing. <laughs> 1989. Director Spike Lee. A Molotov cocktail of a movie. This long, hot summer's day in Brooklyn has it all. Energy, comedy, great tunes, and a simmering sense of anger that boils over. Still Spike's best joint. Mm. Oh, but wow, that was okay. 11 years ago. That's sure, true. sure. We've had three movies from Spike's. Since then? Since 2008. I think so. I know Chirac. Uh, and then Black we had... Black Klansman. Yeah. Black Klansman. And then I feel like there's one I'm missing, but I don't remember what it is. Old Boy was pre-2008? When was Insight Man? That was like... Uh, Insight like Man was early aughts. So oh, I would okay. say 02, yeah, okay. maybe. Something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, so there's a, lot to, there's a lot to pick from that little blurb, but overall... Whoops. Sorry, overall, that's me. That's my phone. That's okay. I'm going to set that down up there. Okay, sorry. sorry. The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that I overall agree with the blurb. There's been some controversial blurbs for these movies mm, as mm, we've gone mm. through the list. I always like to cite Top Gun as my favorite example of, hey, controversial blurb. Hey, you missed the mark on that one, guys, even though um, <laughs> they were pretty much right on the money with that blurb. But I was they just kind of right, but also I was, so, I was offended. Because it's patriotic. Because it's patriot. British folks, and they were really railing on Top Gun being a propaganda machine. And I was like, hey, only you can pick on my kid sister. You can't. Oh, only I can. You can't. Only I can. So it was a little weird. It's just it is. It's an ad for you know the Air Force. It is. We yeah. dig it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm, we don't. I'm not even a big fan of Top Gun. I don't even like it. So I, I would like to to skew the perspective and make it uh, an ad for volleyball for queer yeah. volleyball specifically. <laughs> yeah, honestly, hey, do you guys want to play some gay volleyball? That's Come a on. solid yes. third of the movie. <laughs> yes. that is the longest scene in the Lots world. Lots of slow jumps and just yeah. Ugh. And then he's like, "All right, guys, gotta bounce, gotta go shower. <laughs> <laughs> let's follow you. All right, are gonna yeah. Hit yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's follow the action. And a lot of this." 
which is very yeah. gay and great. Lots of teeth noises. Yeah. I don't like it. I know. It's really bad. But overall, this blurb, I feel like in a, in a lot of ways sums up what uh, what this movie delivers, man. Do the right thing. So just to break it down, I'd never seen it. Yes. Keller has seen it. We watched Keller's copy tonight. Joel, you've seen the movie before. Yeah, like two or three times. Not a lot. It's not a movie okay. I'm, I'm often... It's hard to describe. That ending just kills me, and yeah. so it's hard to want to like always. Yeah. Like, you forget how like fun it is in the first on. like three quarters of the film. You're just like, this is amazing, and then gotta, you're like, oh my god. Yeah, you got to be in the mood for that third act. You can, yeah, it, it's not one you just throw on. Yeah, it, it's one like if you're flipping through channels, you might be like, oh my god, do the right thing is on. Like just chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not always reaching for the DVD. Mm-hmm. That means I do have one issue with the book. Do the Right Thing is Spike Lee's most easily accessible film. Mm. I would say that. And I think. But not his best. It's hard. Yeah. I have really a trouble with like best. I think like maybe this is Spike's best like dramatic arc as far as like just mm. constructing an arc. The the way he uses the summer to kind of drive the tension and the heat. Um, the cast of characters is incredible. But I mean, if you see things like School Days or Bamboo, like these mm-hmm. are much less accessible to people outside of the black community. There's mm-hmm. a lot, I think, that goes over people's heads in this movie, but because there's that white counter narrative to it, um, and because it's about racism mm-hmm. directly, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for people to engage with the content as opposed to like bamboozled, which is like very much an inner black conversation. Got so uh, best, I don't know. It, it's a great movie. Yeah. He should have won the Academy Award that year, but he didn't. Uh, what, what did? I love asking that question. Ooh, what ooh. did? So we're looking at 1990 so Oscars. Oh, 90s. Yeah. Who, something dumb. Something where we were like, really? <laughs> Let's see. What came out in 1989? Indiana Me. Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> that didn't win. Back to the Future Part 2. Is this the year Driving Miss Daisy took out? Oh, I think that it might is. be it. I'm, no. no. 85% sure it's the, the year Driving Miss Daisy oh, came out no. and it killed and the, it. And the same thing happened with Black Klansman and Green Book. Sure did. Right? Sure, sure did. did. Although sure did. there was a better movie that year and oh. it was Moonlight. Oh, uh. no, no. Moonlight was the year before. <laughs> did I get that wrong? Yeah. Moonlight and Moonlight won after La La Land fake one. I thought that. it was Green Book that fake one. No. My mind is playing tricks on me. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a better moment. It was. Oh, I'll never forget. It was definitely La La Land that fake won, uh, <laughs> and that producer had to be like, "It's Moonlight," and he showed you know. Because the other producer yeah. would not stop giving his speech. Yeah, he was just like, no, we won. I'm clinging oh, to this. It was driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss That's Daisy. what I thought. Yeah, because oh. I, I remember people being like, "Ain't this big?" No, it happened again with Green Book. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, that was oh. a it was a difficult year for all of us. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's rough. No, I totally get that, and I feel like. That is, that's probably why a lot of people, you know, across the spectrum, across the racial spectrum, across the economic spectrum, love Do the Right Thing. And that's also probably why uh, the the British magazine Empire sort of wrote it up the way they did. They're like, it's Spike Lee's best joint up to this point. You know, because again. Do you guys again, know Rosie Knight? Yeah. Okay. I love Rosie. She's yeah. from England. Yeah. Have you had her on this podcast yet? No. I'm going to look it up her. afterwards. You need to bring her okay. in. Okay. Um, but she talks to me a lot about Will she hate my accent? She, <laughs> Rosie has the best sense of humor, so I feel like she would really appreciate it. Okay. Um, okay. I would love to see you guys have a narration off, though. <laughs> um, just go great. head to head. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. um, she doesn't have like a posh British accent, you know? Mm. So it would be fun yeah, to see yeah. her try that on. But <laughs> I mentioned her because she 
informed me that yeah. like Britain as a whole just really into black exploitation films. Really, I had no. This girl knows her black exploitation down packed. She is a white girl from London, and I'm wow. like, how do you know all of this? And she was like telling me about we were watching um the new Eddie Murphy movie. Dolomite oh, is my name. Dolomite. And she was giving me all this background and history. I'm like, really? that's crazy. And so I wonder how much that plays into it as well. Because there's a lot of elements of black exploitation in this film. Now, it's not a black exploitation film. Right. Don't get that twisted. But right. it's of the culture and the community. And so I wonder if that has any, like, you know, influence on, what did you say, like 5,000 people? They 10,000 like, readers? Crazy. Sure. Which, I, which I'm sure their readers were also around the world because Empire Magazine is a big and was a big and still is a big like movie magazine. But I'm also totally blind to, other than like a few movies, honestly, here and there, the sort of like black British experience. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Which is different yes. than African American mm. culture and movies and things I'm way more familiar with. So that's a whole nother thing too that I'm you know, that I only see in movies here and there, things like Attack the Block come to mind mm-hmm, of like, oh, mm-hmm. that's an honest black British experience that I feel like doesn't get highlighted as much as, you know, African-American experiences and movies like the ones we watch today. But so yeah, I would, TV I'm, is where you want to go. There you, you go. For those multiracial that's, experiences. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So, so I'm, so I'm just really curious as to what their sort of take on it is. And overall, I feel like a lot of the stuff that they mentioned in the blurb, that simmering tension, you know, the, the comedy in it and everything, um, pretty good so let's start with this we'll do overall thoughts even though i haven't seen it i want to start with joelle we always start with our guest overall thoughts watching do the right thing today for maybe the third or fourth time mainly was there anything new that you picked up on was there anything that you were like oh okay this is i didn't the black panther comics the black panther comics was the most like because i and i tell people i got into comics like in my very early 20s, like 19, mm-hmm. 20 years old when I went to college, mm-hmm. I didn't know comics still existed as a kid. Uh, I had uh, these lesbians owned a bookstore in my small town. I was like a really advanced reader and they were like, here are like the great Victorian novels. Get started. Like here's <laughs> some Shakespeare. So at 12, I'm like reading Shakespeare when I could have been reading Black Panther. No one told me. Yeah. Um, so... That's amazing. I just picture the librarians from uh, uh, Portlandia. I just picture Fred Armisen and Carrie. Like the they have a dog, star. a cat, yeah. and a bird. Um, yeah, they do not like boys touching their things. Sticky hands. Um, but, but yeah, so the comic thing totally missed me. I was like, oh, no, he's talking about like the Black Panthers. But yeah. no, he said like Black Panther, just Would, the one hero. Yeah. Um, and the guy's like carrying them around in his pants. Yeah. And I think maybe that's sort of what keyed off because Ruth Carter, she did costuming for Dolomite is my name and Black Panther Mm -hmm. legendary Oscar winner brilliant this is her first movie wow so she's coming out theater and so she um there's a Netflix show called design Ruth Carter has an entire episode dedicated just to her uh where she talks about like what it's like to basically be a costume designer and what does that mean and what are the details she talks about do the right thing and so I never picked upon like the specificity of details I took for granted like this is not a movie that was just made on the street. Like there's right, a lot yeah. of production, and so but things that feel natural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so things that feel natural were were very planned. Yeah. Like um the guy in the Larry Bird shirt who scuffs mm-hmm. bugging out shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a white guy. He's Boston in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. That's no good. Um, especially <laughs> Looks like if you a think, fucking hockey player. <laughs> yeah. One is the Larry Bird and the Jordan like feud. There's yeah. like a lot to like sort of engage in there and none of that's written in the script that just came from her she was wow. like you know we're just gonna throw the jersey on i feel like that's how we're going to oh, establish visually so yeah how we're gonna establish visually this fight before it even takes place awesome dope and yeah. so i think along with the black panther comics there's there's um i took for granted how much intention and how much um 
this wasn't a documentary on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks volumes. I mean, we even talked about as we're watching, like, wow, this feels like a day. Not yeah. that the movie feels long, but you feel like you spent the whole day with these people. Yeah. Um, Cause so some... much happens in, I mean, we paused it at one point and I was like, Oh, it's only been 30 minutes. It yeah. really does feel like a whole morning has passed because mm-hmm. we're checking in with all these you're characters. Meeting everybody. You're meeting everybody. You're going around the block. Like, yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. So that the specificity of detail from the creators behind the lens. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something that uh, I was super impressed with. It just felt very theatrical, like a play, like a yeah. stage play theater uh, is what it felt I like. Bet and it could be a very good stage play. Yeah. But like, set, yeah. If the produ- like the yeah. sets, if someone just did a lot of... I'll tell you what, though. The whole burning down of Sal's restaurant at the end, like... I'm sure there could be a stage way to do it, but there's de- we've definitely I saw an entire house flood now. on yeah. stage really? once. Yeah, shout out to Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago, y'all Whoa. did that. Um, yeah, no, the whole thing filled with water, and then it was crazy. Um, so they could definitely right. set a house or or a store on fire. I think uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the feel of theater because we know a lot of these people are just now coming. Samuel Jackson yeah. and his wife were just coming out of theater at the time. Um, like John Ruth, Turturro started in theater yeah, too. Yeah. Ruthie Carter came directly from a stage to this production, so. Uh, I think that there's a lot of traditional theater people crafting it, and that probably has a lot to do with with that feel. In addition to Spike's writing, yeah, absolutely. oh, it made me so happy that his dad did all the music. Yeah, that and was the music so is so good. Cool. It is yeah. like it feels like the part where uh, the mayor's talking to I forgot her name, S- mother sister, mother sister, sister mm-hmm. where they're talking. That feels like an homage to some old movie because yeah. it just starts playing some like I don't know. Gone at the wind sounding. It music. went very Western in yeah, that moment, yeah, especially if you think like about the way in Westerns in we see. Uh, we're breaking mm. a lot of thresholds in Westerns. You have that great shot from, uh, oh my God, not the outsiders. The Searchers? Yes, the Searchers, mm-hmm. where we're in the doorway His and you have the big with, outside. Yeah. So beautiful, which has been homaged a ton of times. Oh, yeah. And this was sort of the reverse of that. It's the first time we go in her home, mm-hmm. which is definitely her safe space, but she's always looking at out at the street. And I love this moment of not only are we in her home, but she's tending to a guy she said she hated before and that yeah. complete 360 from the day before it, it's incredible how much transformation he's able to convincingly portray in 24 hours yeah like oh, saving the, that little boy's life yep mm-hmm. it, it's almost like <clears throat> that character the mayor never explicitly says it but you're like ah, i wonder if he's gonna sober up you know because of how much change that character went through all the characters go through change the street physically changes because of the 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 riot and the fire that happened, mm-hmm. like that Sal's being burned down. Yeah, there's there's so much that happens in this movie, and it does feel like a full twenty four hours. So, question for you, Joel: Do you believe that the movie should exist on a list of the five hundred greatest of all time? Oh yeah, yeah. it should be Absolutely. way higher than yeah. four hundred three. Yeah, yeah four hundred three feels low mm-hmm. to me. Films of all time greats. Mm-hmm. We only have a hundred years of cinema, if you think about it. Well, I guess I now we're getting closer to like one twenty one thirty. Wow. Um, Wow. Our first films are coming out 1890, but not until narrative until like 1903, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, yeah, I, would it be like, now I'm trying to think top 100, mm-hmm. top 50. It, it's probably in my top 50. I mean, if you just think about like, it's hard to be like, oh, there's a flaw. And I think that's sort right. of the, the measure of, of a great film is mm-hmm. if there's never a moment where you're like, that feels out of place or this doesn't feel mm-hmm. authentic or this doesn't mm-hmm. even look good. Or I, I noticed a camera angle is kind I got of a off. flaw. I got a flaw, mm-hmm. a completely forgivable flaw, but I got a flaw. <laughs> Let's hear it. Spike himself as an actor to me, not the most compelling. 
like his sister who's in the movie I who like plays Jade because I think he's I think he's great in the movie. I think he's playing you're a very, too far removed and no Spike Lee is Spike Lee. Probably, maybe, so, you know what I mean. What it's, it I'm getting influenced by him as, as a sort of director yeah. persona, this very public persona. So when I see him in this movie, I feel like it's it it very much blends the line between Mookie and Spike. It's just it, to mm. me, it's all kind of one thing. Yeah, he's definitely not a character actor, right? So he is playing a version of himself. But I also yeah. think that because he's a kid from Brooklyn, yeah, that I don't it, I don't mind it. Because because in a way he's telling his story. Well, the way he's telling his story. And so there's there's a a line of fakeness that can't be reached. Yes. I think he connects pretty well with his characters. I think the part that rings the most false to me is the (laughs) part they shot mostly in the dark. And that is his like sexual encounter with Rosie Perez. Oh, with ice cubes? Yeah. Yeah. Just not so much even like what's happening in the scene but it's mm-hmm. just like Spike you know Rosie is not hanging around with you like I just this is a weird <laughs> casting decision I don't feel like Rosie yeah. Perez would ever get with you period sure, as a story she's got sure. so much to be doing um, yeah Rosie was great yeah she was really great and, mm-hmm. and she went through a lot to get it done um, mm-hmm. I was able to pull up the quote she said she just cried all through that scene really? like she didn't want to she didn't want to show her boobs she was like I don't want to be a part <sighs> of this but she also close-up. says yeah Spike Lee changed her life and put her on. And so sure. she's got these like, you know, sort of complex feelings. I don't think they have any kind of animosity toward each other now, okay. but I know that that scene was uncomfortable for her to shoot. Sure. I want to give Spike the benefit of the doubt and be like, you're really young. And I think yeah. to be a dude at that time and to be directing your first feature, like stop crying. We got things to do. is probably the attitude. It's a shitty attitude to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not yeah. something you want to hear, especially for a legend like Rosie. Yep. Um, but I, I hope the sets are better now. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine. I, I mean, I hope. I, I, yeah, I there has hope. to have been growth. I hope in he's these had to have learned years. a lesson. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah, hope. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, just a real quick sidebar on Rosie. Love her. Love that this is an introduction to her. Yes, I thought she was fantastic, and I'm so stoked about Birds of Prey. And again, I'll just tell that story real quick. When I got a chance to meet her a few weeks ago at New York Comic Con, which was her first New York Comic Con. She was 100% rosy. She had that amazing accent and she was talking about her character, Renee Montoya. And she was like, it's so great to play a character who lives in this world with superheroes and she's trying to do the right thing. No pun intended. Like she said (laughs) it that way. It cracked me up. It was great. And now that I'm thinking back, never having seen do the right thing. I think when I introduced myself as Hector, I think she may have been like Hector. Oh, like like oh, uh, really? like a baby. That's <laughs> Maybe, so cute. But I can't I can't recall now. I wish that I had seen do the right thing before I met her, so I could be like Hector. It's me. It's me. Grown <laughs> because up. the timeline adds up. <laughs> so yeah, I would ag- I would agree with Joelle. I think that the movie is so good and deserves to exist on the list of the 500 greatest. It's hard to find a flaw. It's that's not really what you are thinking about when you're watching the yeah. movie because. To me, the subject matter is so compelling. All the characters, everything that they're saying, you know, all of the all of the metaphors for for sort of the bigger themes and stuff, and the way that it all comes together in the end in a really sad death of Radio Rahim, yeah. literally killed by the police in a way that's like, oh, we're still dealing with that every single day. That was that that was on the news just a few years ago, and this is something that was in a movie in 1989 that came I mean, out. That was on the news yesterday. And that was on the news <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's never ending. It's never ending. Uh, and I loved the way that the movie ended with the two quotes from MLK and Malcolm X. I thought that that was Or like, there's amazing. just so many subtle little things yeah. throughout the movie. Like the graffiti that said, uh, Tawana told the truth. Is yep. that what it was? Yep. I looked it up. And yep. that's like 87. There was some woman who was raped by four white guys somewhere. Yep. And, and like there was yeah. a bunch of speculation because it was her saying it's four white dudes. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then like when... They're all standing and they're like, uh, this is for, and they're just saying those names. 
Yeah. Those are, I think those are those real are all names. people that yeah. died. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's like, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll let you guys ask more questions, but we'll get okay. into some of the relevance of some okay. of those, those moments later. Yeah. Keller, overall thoughts. You've seen uh, it before. Do the right thing. What do you think? It's so good. Mm-hmm. I didn't give it enough attention, I guess, when I was watching it last time. Mm-hmm. As in like... When, uh, when did you watch it last time? It has been a couple the years last ago? couple years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's so fucking good. Yeah. And I like Spike Lee in it. I think he's super funny in it yeah. and silly. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. He had, there was just so many great funny moments. Again, that's my overall thoughts are I was so surprised at how funny it was yeah. knowing what I knew about the movie as an outsider being like, I know this movie's heavy. This is going to get real. And it did. That all happened at the end. And there were there was tension well, it didn't throughout. Didn't even all happen at the no, end. No, it was There's tension throughout. Thirty tiny little conversations that happened throughout. Yep. Like, hey, come over here. Let me talk to you about this for a second. Yep. Hey, come over here. Let me. I mean, talk this to might you be the first film that like. This might be an exaggeration, but that really examines microaggressions. Yes, because I think I mean, Hector, you you uh, experience some shock when it's Mookie who throws the garbage can into the window. But it was but righteous been, anger. But not only like that yeah. from the murder, but he's been dealing with these pinpricks like of just slight jabs mm-hmm. all damn day, mm-hmm. and he's not let it affect him at all, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea of just put you down and keep moving forward. He, you know, he's not a punk. He like stands up for himself and he's yeah. like, yo, you know, don't say this. Don't talk. He tries to mm-hmm. explain. He tries literally every way to be like, yo, there's a, there's like something wrong here. Yeah. And uh, but th- he also is shown in the movie as like he goes and talks to uh, a very young Giancarlo Esposito and be like, what are you doing, man? I work here. When he was upset about the pictures on the wall not being black people. So, and then there's another point where Sal or somebody, no, it was uh, uh, John Turturro's character mm-hmm. tells him, you can go speak black to him. Mm-hmm. And it's this it's this thing of like, he ha- he does deal with these pinpricks mm-hmm. and yet the character is, is depicted as he still is like, Trying to sort of diffuse tension where possible. Yeah, I just think he doesn't yeah. want. He doesn't, it's clear he doesn't man, want any it issues. It and if you think about getting it, getting it from both sides. Correct. If you think about it, the show sets up really well is him in the middle of mm-hmm. a Malcolm X and a Doctor, uh, yeah, and a Doctor King perspective. Yeah. And it's what I really like about it. Queen and Slim attempts to do the same thing, mm. where they set up one of one of them. Uh, Queen is very Malcolm X at the beginning, mm-hmm. where Slim is very uh, Martin Luther King, and then. About three quarters of the way through, they switch opinions, mm. and it's like this idea of if these are the African American pillar of heroes, like if right. this is the ideal, and they seemingly had very different approaches to how we were going to solve civil rights issues. Yeah, but it, right before both of their deaths, they both switched. Really? Yeah, definitely. Right before Malcolm, uh, right before Martin Luther King died. It was basically he makes that really great speech, which is just now starting to get quoted a lot more, which is basically like, listen, if you're a white person who's like, well, I don't want to get involved or Mm -hmm. wait your turn. Like, that's exhausting. And you do not get to tell people when they get their opportunities at freedom. The white moderate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Malcolm X became much more peaceful Mm. toward the later years of his life. And so there's this idea of, of responsibility and what's what does do the right thing mean? Like if mm. I can't stand up for myself, is that the right thing? Cause yeah. I'm not about to be bowled over all the time. Yeah. But at the same time to Mookie's point of like, if we're always, you know, if you're coming in here instigating, mm-hmm. you know, then how am I supposed to just get on with my day? Like that's exhausting. We're now I have to, to mitigate. Yeah. Exactly. Now I have to mitigate between the two of you. Yeah. All I want to do is come and get this money, like this check I need to live yeah. so I can go on and do my next <sighs> thing. I want an X-Men movie about that, y'all. I want an X-Men movie to mean something again. <laughs> Cash Jeffrey Wright as Mal- or as um, 
listen, Ooh. Professor X. Professor X, X. Yeah. yeah. That's my that's my goal is to get him as Professor X yeah. and to do because the New York aspects of yeah. Professor X have been completely erased from the movies because they hired a yes. British dude to do yes. it. And I feel like if you said He's it in modern Yorker. times, yeah. made him Professor X born in like 63, 58. Do mm-hmm. 58 because it's the same year that, um, oh Lord, I'm having issues with names today. Um, when the little boy was killed in Mississippi, Emmett Till. Emmett Till. Um, so if you push from that is his beginning perspective, his wow. early understandings of humanity. And that feels very HBO Watchmen. I like that. This is my dream. I like it. <laughs> well, here, just a, another sidebar real quick again about the X-Men. It's funny that Giancarlo Esposito, young Giancarlo, was in this movie. Everybody knows him, he's I think, so from, Breaking, from Bad. Breaking Bad. He's so, so like, good he's in guts this. in that. No yes. one would ever, like, yep. if somebody's only seen Breaking Bad, they probably would never recognize him <laughs> if true. they watched Do the Right Thing. Because he's so fucking, it's too, he's yeah. so good in it. I have heard uh, people online saying that they would love Giancarlo to play Magneto. And there's a part of me that loves that, but yeah. there's another part of me that's like, here's the deal. Even though I understand that comic book logic makes it very difficult for modern X-Men characters to fight Holocaust survivor Magneto, there's comic booky bullshit ways to make that character still be from that era and still live and be like relatively youthful today. My my tricky thing is because somebody was saying, have John Carlo play Eric Lencher or Magneto or a new version of Magneto and switch it from the Holocaust to uh, a Rwandan genocide or a different yeah, ho- I saw this horror, right? Conversation having Which around. I'm like, that's very interesting. And I can see that that is something to maintain the relevancy. My worry mm-hmm. is like, I don't want to say that the Holocaust or another like massacre is they're interchangeable. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Yeah. Where I'm like, that's especially tricky. with like Holocaust erasure that already Correct. happens. Correct. Yeah. Especially around now. I, I, I like the idea of Magneto, because when Magneto gets his island, we're getting very nerdy if you're uh, not with us, but um, he creates <laughs> his mutant island. Hector, yeah, <laughs> Hector's made every movie relate to the Marvel movies in some shape true. or form. True. They're wide and varied, and you can do that now. So when yes. there are, uh, if you watch The Terrible Dark Phoenix, I'm sorry, but maybe you learned about Magneto's Island of Mutants, right? Yeah. Hector really bought cool. it last week. I did. So I would I love, okay, I saw it on a plane and I was like, yeah, this is bad, but there's X-Men fine. moments in yeah. it. That's what like, he said. There's like, cool X-Men moments. Killing me. I do like fast <laughs> This is it's why we have a one. problem. <laughs> now it's at a point where it's harmless. Now it's at a point where that franchise is harmless and they will reboot. It's not harmless to your brain. You still have to receive the images. It's terrible. But See, I almost was going to watch it. Hector almost convinced me to watch it. <laughs> Don't, Don't do it. it. It's, it's Don't really, do it. There's, what point was, is worth your time? The train scene at the end, not worth it. Hector said it's kind of cool. Yeah. And that sold which me. Which part is cool? The part Hector, where Magneto part fights cool? the aliens. The part was pretty cool. Because I like Magneto. Everybody the likes Magneto. He said He's it. cool as hell. Just the way he said it. The part when Magneto fights <laughs> the aliens. I liked it. Pretty cool. I liked the part in the <laughs> Magnet <laughs> Man. No, but picture bad. Magneto passing on. Like, like, oh my gosh, there's another metal bender. And we went through very similar oh, things. Yeah. So like, I love the idea of like him passing that along. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we get him being very young in the concentration camps. Because I also think mm. that like him being a teenager or a young man right. there, um, you can skew it. If you skew his age down, like how does that perspective change? And what's yes. that like? And then um, he passes that information on to the next generation. Because his whole thing is like, I just want to protect mutants. Like yeah. we're, it's horrible how we're treated. And so if it goes beyond mutant into like, I see you and what you're going through. Yeah. And we're going to make sure that doesn't, because there's a huge fear of like, what if this shit happens again? We don't know with which cultural group, but it's really terrifying times out here for a lot of us. Yeah. If he's like, listen, no, not what happened to me. 
I'm gonna get you on the right path. I love it. Oh, could be good. In any case, all I'm saying is, by the next time we see the X Men, like it, they'll be they'll be meaning behind it because Marvel has taken their characters and have have forwarded them a lot of meaning when sometimes there wasn't that there. I think Thor Ragnarok has a lot of meaning to people. I never cared about Iron Man until I right? watched it. You watch those movies and you can connect. And I think that Black Panther has the exact appropriate amount of cultural significance and relevance that they put that they knew they're like this one needs to be this is going to be a movement this Mm -hmm. needs to be a big deal talking about ruth carter talking about the black panther comics in the in the pockets of the character in the movie (laughs) um so uh yeah but uh sidebar x-men it's gonna be cool i'm sure john collar would be great i'm sure whatever they're gonna do is gonna be great but back to overall thoughts keller overall thoughts it's great yeah (laughs) can't think of anything wrong with it my overall thoughts. Also, same. like the X Men, wish they made yeah. better movies. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what overall thoughts meant, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just do the right thing. But thank okay, you for your okay, X Men opinions. Right. Thank you. What's your favorite X Men movie? Logan. I get. Yeah. I right. Like I Days guess. of Future Past. I don't know. I like the time in a bottle scene. Yeah, that was cool. Nicole uh, Logan first class, yeah. the original X Men. Ooh, ooh. I'll put Logan at the top. I just don't yeah. like the end of Logan that much. With the sideways cross? Maybe. It's an X. And also, I just don't like the murdered family in the middle. That's such that bothered a, a lot I could, of people. I could yeah. do it without... It's uh, so sad. Uh, but it's a Western. <laughs> Westerns typically don't get this graphic. No, they don't. I know it bothered a lot of people. It did not bother me in that uh, the whole tone of for the very opening scene. Have you guys ever read the script for Logan? No. no. Okay, first of all, it's a bomb script because <gasps> the writer starts with a letter to whoever is reading it who is like, listen, this is not... And you have to think about the time when it came out. He's like, yeah. this is not your typical superhero movie. He's like, yeah. when people get punched, they get punched hard and they are not coming back up without Love a struggle. It. Love it's it. like a very detailed letter of like, this is how you're going to direct this film if you're going to take it. I was like, what? It's ball... I thought That's it was pretty awesome. ballsy. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, okay, so then back to do the right thing. My overall thoughts are I think it's great. I think it does deserve to exist on the list of the 500 greatest. It should definitely be higher than the the, the early 400s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than 403. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the movie also makes me really excited to see more of Spike Lee's movies. I need to see more of them. Like mm-hmm. I said, yes. I avoided Old Boy because I was like, I didn't like the original Old Boy. I'm sh- I know that it was great. It just wasn't for me. I'm not gonna dig it. I don't want to see know. an Americanized version. Of right. That, no. So even though I like Josh Brolin and I like Spike Lee, but I was like, eh. and then there was this weird thing that happened when that movie came out with Spike and um and like a an artist. Do you remember that? A like a poster designer who was like Mr. Lee. This design that I did for what I thought was like a contest or something was stolen by some level of production Ooh. and it was being used. And I'm trying to get somebody to to like rectify that and help. Could you possibly help? You're also an artist who's made it on their own, blah, blah, mm. blah. And I remember Spike Lee responded in a really crummy way where he was like, that's not my problem. I don't know who this person is. And people were like, come on, man. I mean, it's but you just don't say anything. I know. Or you, you just, just go like, dude, I'll look into it. Like, you know, or, 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 for or just avoid it. For legal perspectives, I never yeah. saw this tweet. Yeah. <laughs> just from a legal, like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, whole, the honorable thing yeah. would be to like bring it to someone's attention and be like, yo, did we steal this? Because that's weird and I don't want my name on stolen art. Yeah. But at the very least, you just say nothing and like, move so on with your life. scrolled past it. But to say this is not my problem to take time out of your day I to know. be like i don't care about your art or whether it was stolen is yeah that's not a good feeling it wasn't a good feeling but i want to see more spikes movies i want to see more spike lee's movies and uh i thought that it was fantastic is there anything else we can say there's so much actually we can say yes i am purposely kind of rushing this because i want to get to some watchman talk but okay but joelle give us a sort of wrap up if you can mm. about do the right thing yeah okay <sighs> i think 
what really intrigued me again in this watch is uh, do you guys listen to Jesus and Mero at all? Uh, I've seen some of the yeah, okay. I've seen some, some of the show. show. Sure. I haven't listened to Bodega. My Lewis. household is like strongly Jesus and Mero. <laughs> and if you think about they're like 35 and 38. Yeah. So they're like the doctors, what they call the little kid in this movie. They're that age living in Brooklyn yeah. around Bedford side. And so hearing the way that they have conversations, what they talk about, what intrigues them and seeing this like thumbprint of Brooklyn at that time yep. on screen. It's like it's one of those films where I think it'll always be a benchmark of of an era. And I find that incredibly intriguing. Mm-hmm. I love listening to DC Mario because they can do that Italian accent and dialogue great because <laughs> they grew up around a bunch yeah. of them. They understand like um one of them is from Jamaica. His or his, his parents immigrated here from Jamaica. Uh the other one's from the Dominican Republic. So when mm-hmm. you have the conversation with the three older guys mm-hmm. talking about um, just their lives and like you came here too off the boat like mm-hmm. that idea is really intriguing I love the little ways that Spike is able to have conversations about black identity without being very specific about them mm. um, like the conversation you had with Totoro I thought was great yeah like, who's your favorite rock star who's your favorite athlete but that's super yeah. obvious and that's yeah. very much speaking to a, a white or non-black demographic yep. I mean like the like idea of like the, the com- things. Yeah. Or like, the idea. okay. So, so my favorite as I was watching was like, Oh, this conversation with the Koreans. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't understand what redlining is, which is a move from government and peoples with money, making sure that certain neighborhoods are redlined, which means black people cannot come here and live here. Mm-hmm. Then you understand the frustration. Be like, well, why can't we open a shop here? Mm-hmm. You also hear layers of just ignorance of not knowing like, Oh, well we should just build our own well, building your own. Not only takes money that frequently is not available to the black community, but it right. also means you have to jump like six lines to try to just get in there. And so and there's a natural frustration. Yeah. And if you think about it, the 1993 uh, LA riots, so we're talking two, three years after this movie comes out, yeah. follows a lot of the same structures that caused the riots here. Yeah. And actually uh, I think right before the LA riots, we had a Korean beauty shop owner, grocery store owner, I'm not mm-hmm. sure, shoot a black teenage girl in the face. She was 15. She was oh. accused of stealing milk. She did not steal the milk. Um, and they let her go free because they said she wasn't a threat to the community. Wow. So wow. these and all these, this was happening in Los Angeles? Yeah. So if you think about like just the way hip-hop sort of focused all of black attention on these different neighborhoods mm-hmm. and the way that it sort of started to bridge a gap between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And the way that this predicted a lot of stuff that was about to happen, it just it infuses like how timely it was. Yeah. And I find that really intriguing. Cause like Ruth did what she needed. To do. Yeah. The, like the attention to detail and the way she created these characters. I would say if you're looking for great women, we're gonna have to keep searching. <laughs> um, other than Mama's sister, um, and maybe his actual sister, who I really do think was like Spike. Let's we can ramp up my role a little bit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's there's not a ton of great representation, but just as far as like a timestamp of an era, yeah, um, a study in in building tension. My God, the way that he affects this movie, it's like nothing else yeah. you've ever seen, and it's so beautiful to look at. I it's know. like such a pretty, pretty film. The colors are gorgeous. It's definitely worth your time if you haven't taken an opportunity to look at it, and if you, like me, you hadn't seen it in a very long time. Yeah, it's been about five or six years. It's worth a rewatch. Yeah, absolutely. it's very. It feels modern. You said earlier yeah. that. Uh, 
you could definitely do a production of it now. Yeah. And immediately my brain was like, oh man, what if you just did a production? Because they don't ever give a year or a specific date or time in here. No. If you just you could just do all the set dressing from now oh, no. and not change a single word. Yeah, no and It would be shit. fabulous. It would be a 2019 or 2020 mm-hmm. production of Do the Right Thing and mm-hmm. it would be the same. Instead of Whitney Houston, you have Beyonce on the walls, oh. you know, uh, instead oh. of... You could still do the Jordans, but you could change it to LeBron's and not much yeah, different. It's just an aged up picture of Al Pacino and Robert De Niro on the pizzeria. Like, or, <laughs> or someone aged just down like just a... for fun. <laughs> here, here they What's are. I think someone has an original pair of Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. yes, also that part. The sneakerheads are very serious about wow. it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, fantastic. I Timeless. Was, I thought it was great. I loved, uh, by the way, the uh, I don't know the actor's name, but he was Sal. And then John Turturro and then Danny Turturro's Ayeo. brother, Danny Aieo. I thought that they were all such fascinating and frustrating characters. And mm. they did such a good job of showing them having those racist tendencies. And then Sal has a crush on Spike's brother or sister. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This thing of like him knowing that he's kind of a pillar of the community mm. and he's like, well, I'm not going anywhere. And you'll, like, I'm happy these kids grew up on my Yes, pizza. I'm proud of that. And you're feeling this like, oh man, like, okay, he that gets it. He gets thing. it. And then it, he'll flip it around and, you know, and call them the N word and stuff. I've like, been uh, reading a ton yeah. of like pieces from mothers who's like 12, 13 year old kids have fallen into like internet traps and become mm. Nazis like yeah. under their own roof and like their Ooh. mass confusion of like, why are you so angry and where yeah. did this come from? Yeah. And this idea that like, I, but I think. Like, again, it's just very subversive, but I feel like he tackles, like, this idea that, oh, racism will eventually die out. Like, Mm -hmm. no. Even the idea of, like, racism is taught. Not really. Like, Mm -hmm. it's developed over time, and it really depends on the type of personality and what you're looking for. This kid just doesn't want to be made fun of, and he needs to feel superior for whatever reason. And Spike doesn't even really get into it, but I love the idea of him just sort of pushing that narrative, again, subversively, Mm -hmm. just being like, yo, look, you have a dad who's not inherently racist, but who also doesn't feel, who feels very comfortable using the N-word. And we imagine he says it at home a lot. And maybe he doesn't feel angry, but he also feels above these people. In the same way that he keeps saying, this is my place, but you're surrounded by black people. And the idea that you cannot incorporate their culture, it's a radio Dude, turn yeah. that down. Like, I just yeah. can't hear you. I just want to give you your pizza. The fact that he couldn't put, this is my place, so I'm not picture. putting a photo on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the photo on the wall at the end of being like, here's an easy solution. We didn't have to get into all of this. Yeah. And all we want to do is be seen. And that idea, yeah. I just, I, I was, love this like movie. <laughs> act, it was like asking for representation. That's literally mm-hmm. what it was. And that's, yeah, I tapped into that. Because our end. kids are here all the time. Yeah. You say you, we're raised on your pizza. Yeah. And you can't think of one good black person to put mm-hmm. on your wall. Mm-hmm. That's on your, nuts. On your wall of fame, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there is so much to unpack in this movie, like there is so much to unpack in this show, Watchmen. Wow, okay. hell of a segue. That's so stupid. That was the bare it. bones. Well, you bare did bones. it. I was there. <laughs> they landed. Uh, well, how many episodes are we into Watchmen now? Six. 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 Mm-hmm. Tonight will be seven? Yes. Um, I'm loving the show so far. Yes. I yeah. I think that it it is on track to, if it sticks the landing, to be the best television show ever based on a comic book. Sure. Like, pretty it's, easy for me. I think already, I think it's stuck up. <laughs> well, we had, so I was on Collider last week, and yeah. they basically, they titled the episode, we didn't ask the question in the show, but they titled the episode, uh, is this the best cartoon or comic book show ever? Yeah. Now, immediately the fans are like, like, Batman the Animated Series is right there. Right, so we're right. talking live action or animation. It, it's hard. Batman the Animated Series, I feel like, really nails not just Batman, but children's storytelling in a yeah. way that doesn't sort of dumb it down for them. That's really nice. Yep. But I will say Watchmen is the best property that pushes 
beyond the initial intention. Mm. I think it's the best property that continues a storyline. Maybe mm-hmm. we should say like narrative, like long narrative. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, even just like I, I'm trying to think of narratives that go beyond the timeline scope of their content. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get that. Superman is kind of just pushed up in mm-hmm. years. He mm-hmm. doesn't rely on his one, like one I can think era. of is Batman Beyond. And I love that show and Bam. that concept, but I think that for me, the concept is always going to be stronger than like the actual individual writing or execution of like episodes. Like, right, the strongest story for me in Batman Beyond is the origin story. This is like Terry McGinnis getting the suit, you know, that's, yeah, you'll that's never great. forget that bat, old Batman oh. shaky hand reaching for oh, a gun. So good. It kills you inside. Yeah. You're like, what is happening? Never again. Um, yeah. You also get uh, Mask of the Phantasm out of that, though. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's pretty great. So good. <laughs> you haven't seen. You've seen Batman Beyond. I've made you see the first few episodes. Yeah. And then didn't we do Return of the Joker also or no? I've seen Return of the Joker. It was dope. Not a Phantasm. Dope. But again, all that. You stuff. haven't seen Mask of the Phantasm? I haven't seen no. Mask of the Phantasm. Okay, Phantasm's on my great. top 500 films, that <laughs> is for sure on there. Okay. It is by far and away the best Ooh. Batman movie ever. Yeah. Hands down. You can make a case for it, for oh, sure. Oh, God, it's so good. You have to watch Hector this movie. made me watch Dark Phoenix instead of that. No, Hector that's not. Like, that's no. Hector said, watch Dark Phoenix. He's never even mentioned this Mask of the Phantasm <laughs> bullshit before. You, because Mask of the Phantasm. All right. Mask of the Phantasm, I think, is going to be strongest when you commit to like, I'm going to w- watch from the beginning Batman the Animated Series. Then you go through it. Then you get Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Then you do Batman Sub-Zero where he fights Mr. Freeze and you're like, that's fine. Then you do Superman the Animated Series. Then you Batman Adventures, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. It is too much. It's a lot. It's not too much. Right <laughs> before you go to bed, it. just pop it, it in. Maybe yeah. watch two episodes a day. Yeah. You're eventually going to get hooked because the writing is that good. Yeah. Bruce Tim is on his BS. Okay, which show am I watching? Batman the Animated Series. Start with That's Batman the, the Animated Series because there's literally yeah. no wrong there. Okay, it yeah. is can I get somebody's uh, like list DC? Of, <laughs> like lock-in? Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let you borrow <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I have the Blu-ray sitting right out there. You're on Beautiful. the show. They better give it to you. Literally. I just got the whole DC All Access and I can't even lie i'm like super loving it yeah it's great the harley quinn show is so good oh, oh my god I didn't show? Know. i'm so sorry Cartoon she's show. a new animated oh, okay. show but it's for adults Rated it's off. not cute at all she like busts shins with her hammer there are guts everywhere she drops mm-hmm. an f-bomb like 18 mm-hmm. times in the first half hour what mm-hmm. sheer brilliant yeah. and the joker is such a jerk we have to talk about Watchmen. i'm yeah. so sorry no this is great uh without spoiling too much mm. uh keller joelle just kind of throw in your sort of feelings about Watchmen right now your thoughts and everything um, because I'm blown away. I was blown away at how from the beginning, from the beginning, dude, from the opening of the Tulsa. First, and then I'll, yeah. I'll follow you. Okay, Keller. Uh, I don't fucking know. Let's just give Joelle uh, some ammo here. Let's give her something to work with. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I like the people <laughs> in it. Uh, yeah. There's multiple times Keller and I. Will, I mean, it's become appointment TV watching for us now. Yeah. We gather as a, like a little family. Uh, I haven't done this in so long. I know. Watched no. a show weekly like this. So we had ours. Uh, my D and D group watched Game of Thrones when it was on. Sure. We meet every Sunday, so we would just like wrap the game up a little early and then go watch. Um, the last season was really challenging for us. Um, like, how was our adventure at the table more fun than this? It doesn't make sense. Um, we do not watch this appointment well, style. I have been watching an appointment style with my brother though. Um, uh, so, okay, I'm really into universal storytelling, like okay. in a big way. It what's, is the, what's universal storytelling? Okay. Building universal universe. storytelling mm-hmm. is is the idea of multiple outlets telling one thematic story. Cool. Now, that doesn't mean always the same characters, but it means it's all in the same world. Um, Star Wars is really the first uh, in the pop culture genre to mm-hmm. do it. You've got some... I'm still I'm still studying, guys. I'll be more prepared later. But the idea that you've seen it in like theater and maybe a couple TV shows that had crossovers. Mash mm-hmm. is a kind of an early one. 
Um, a big but, one now is the MCU. They do technically they do TV shows yeah. in their universe, and they also have comic books that come out in their universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of so. Thing. Star Wars does this first. They release a novel of Star Wars before the film comes out in '77. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they were releasing comic books and novels all the way until you get to the prequels. Mm-hmm. Then you have the video games that start to come out as a company, and you can tie all of those together. Um, now it's Legends, but mm-hmm. still they're still you know your source for it. I think we're becoming much more sophisticated. Whereas before, um, Star Wars has a story group, which we're starting to see people enact in different ways. Marvel has Kevin Feige as sort of the master head of the mm-hmm. universe. I think they've maybe got one more round of movies before they need to start collecting their own group. It's just a lot of mm-hmm. content to keep straight and mm-hmm. people will notice when it's not canon correct. Mm-hmm. It bothers us deeply. But I love, I love canon I, I love the idea of exploring multiple outlets to get to a story but typically what you're getting is like here's a different perspective or we'll mm-hmm. we'll what was going on while we had to cut to this scene in the movie mm-hmm. and all that's like it's fun and you can really enjoy it but there's something about the way Watchmen is not just filling in but taking us further yes that is vastly intriguing and the way because they have such a limited through line of content not like the hundreds of star wars comics you could be reading you know there's one big graphic novel Mm -hmm. there's the television show i don't believe the television show takes into context the dc uh crossover with watchmen doomsday clock no yeah it does not none of that's in there correct um and i I don't know so far from little the little that i read they did the comic books that were called before watchmen like oh, yeah. prequel stuff that's mm-hmm. like here's what Night Owl did before this one night uh, in the 40s or whatever and it's like or here's like a Silk Spectre adventure or here's Dr. Manhattan and I feel like that could all still technically work because even those comics were working to serve the original miniseries. But Moore didn't do those right? No he had mm. nothing to do with them. I'll be interested to see yeah. if later seasons they decided to bring that stuff in. I yeah. know that they're pretty concrete on like we have a Bible and we're drawing from that right now. And you're now. saying that, that showrunner Damon Lindelof is like, I want one season. So but here's the rumors I'm okay. hearing. Okay. Uh, these are very strictly rumors, but the rumor is uh, Damon, which he said this himself, I came in to do one season of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. He had one very strong story to tell. Um, I hear HBO was like, oh, this making us money. Like season two should definitely happen. So now they are shopping for a new showrunner mm. is what I hear. Mm. Um It'll be interesting to see who they get to replace Damon. Damon, to me, um, if he followed his career from uh, Lost to The Leftovers to now, is really hitting a stride in understanding how to use J.J. Abrams' mystery box. The mystery box is this idea that whatever's in the box is more exciting than the answer. Mm-hmm. That only lasts until the final episodes where you're like, I need, I've invested my time and I need an answer. Yeah. And so D- what Damon's done really well, especially throughout the season of Watchmen, is present questions, or I'm sorry, present answers that derive more questions. Mm. So you feel mm. like episodes five and even six you're like oh i'm so satisfied oh i got so many answers that i've just been scrapped but then by the end of the episode you're like okay but what about this now and how are they going to do that Mm -hmm. and what's gonna and there's something that makes that like a kinetic experience of watching it's sort of like watching knives out where you're like i need to know what's happening and you're like guessing and like at the screen and trying to figure it out and i i just i really appreciate the level of detail the writers recently talked about how like the reparations, the Redfordations, as they are called in the show. Yep. Um, f- if you're not watching, Robert Redford has been elected president. Um, he in like is, the early 90s and was still president, right? It was yeah, like he, he was, was the 92 election, I think. 92 and is still president 
Or did was there a president after him? Nope, no. no just like yeah. yeah, just like Nixon yep. in the comic book doesn't stop becoming president because they win the Vietnam War, so people are infested, and he gets rid of the eight year clause, mm-hmm. um, and so he gets to be president forever. Then they're at the very end of the comic, they predict Redford will be next. They, there's a headline mm-hmm. and a background of a panel that's like maybe Redford will run. And the joke was like a cowboy actor for president. Get out of here. Crazy. Which is funny Ronald because Reagan, Reagan was president Reagan. at the time. The comic book was coming out. Um, and so we I forgot where I was going with that. Just the level of detail in that yes. world. Building. Yeah. Yes. So Redfordations. They had to do a full-on debate of, like, how would those be doled out? Yeah. Yeah, they said, like, a full work day was just, work, <laughs> like, writing policy yeah. of mm-hmm. how you would implement. And then they take that and they give it, they find new ways to deliver it to you. So in the world, that's so crazy. Because they're like, oh, we don't need to explore it in the world. I feel like most writers would be mm-hmm. like, okay, I put all that work in, we're going to spell it out for the audience. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, that's just how the world is. And we'll, if it needs to be addressed later, we can. But then they gave they us the PDPedia file. files. Yes, which gives you these brilliant gorgeous if you guys just read one it's i think it's labeled the interrogation of Lori, mm. and it's her fbi so we know Lori gets arrested with dan that's the owl um he goes under and he's not speaking to her they don't have any interactions now mm. uh damon said that he definitely was not going to be on the show i guess season one maybe we'll see dan in the future but she makes it cuts a deal with the fbi and if you read in the documents it's because she knows what happened yeah and so she just turns to them and she's like, listen, tell your boss to tell his boss to tell his boss. Basically, go get Robert Redford. Yep. Tell him I know what happened on 11-2. That's the day they dropped the squid. Yep. And she doesn't have to go to jail because she can spill everybody's secrets. Yeah. She's that good. And I feel like getting those little bits of information sort of. And Hector, you're like supreme nerd, so you can tell me. Oh. Supreme nerd. I feel him. like there was <laughs> been roasted. such a. Just kidding. With the Marvel film, no, I love nerds. <laughs> I, know, I identify. I, know. <laughs> um, I think with Marvel, nerddom became and and, and sorry, pretty much all the Disney properties that have been purchased sure. recently have made nerddom easily acceptable, accessible. Yes. And so there's sort of that missing feeling of oh, well, have you read this? Or have you gotten into that? Right. And while that sometimes does create a sense of elitism in the nerd community, that Mm -hmm. can be very toxic and awful. And I definitely don't want to promote anything like that. I do, I used to love going into like inclusive comic shops and being like, I'm lost, help me, guide me. And they'll be like, here's a stack of things you need to read. And then you're invested and you're investigating and it feels like work and a good payoff. People who share the knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And then you can share it and talk about it and get into it deep. And I feel like there's something so great about the way Watchmen is expanding into that. And it's just, it's titillating and I love it. And I I feel like if you're not on that boat yet, you should definitely come watch. Especially since some of of the stack of shit you have to read is history. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Come get your history lesson. I just learned the other day Lady True is based off a real person. (gasps) What? Yeah, her name is based off of a, a Vietnam War hero. Wow. Yeah, crazy. I figured out her daughter's name means secret, but didn't bother. I totally forgot to like Google Lady True and be like, give me some information. Um, That's so funny. I have loved as a comic book fan and a self-described comic book historian with certain stuff. I loved especially episode six without giving everything away. I think the episode is called This Extraordinary Being. Ooh, Cord wrote is, the hell out of that episode. Yeah, yes. Which is, you were saying it's the best Best single episode of a, of a decade of television? Yeah, it's hard. I keep going back and forth between this and the Ozymandias episode, weirdly, of Breaking Bad. Mm. Um, these, these are two of my like top tier. 
Yeah. I know this one has more sentimental value to me. Sure. It's less depressing. Weirdly, it's still got some of those aspects. But <laughs> Very depressing it's, still. <laughs> if it's not in your top two, I'm, I'm really yeah. questioning what we're doing here. And it said, also just like deconstructs what the last decade has been dedicated to, though. Yes. Yes. And like, it's where the fuck have you guys been this whole time? This yep. is what it should have been. This is where motivation should have been yep. the entire time it, for any of these superheroes. It was in where the, you yeah. guys are idiots. Yeah. It was such a beautiful <laughs> homage to like the Superman myth and all yes. of the references to Superman throughout that I was just like, you know, I was as we're watching the whole it, time. I'm, you I was know, like, Hector, okay, tell us I'm, after. Yeah, I'm pointing this out. I'm like, this is this character's name. This is this reference. This is the month that Superman Action Comics number one came out. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it was so amazing and, and, and such a great, the way you sort of broke down love letter to the black queer comic book fan and that, in that history, you know what I mean? I watched this two weeks before it came out. I paced myself with my screeners and I was having a fit. I was like crying and I was like. Did you have anybody to talk to about it? I didn't want to spoil it for anybody and nobody wants to sit and watch all of my screeners. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I just sat on it. I did get into, it was cool because some of the fans were guessing at it and I had figured out roughly around episode three or four that Mm -hmm. like, okay, I think our first superhero is going to, yeah, Are they going to make him a black yeah. gay person? And what does wow. that mean for me? And how does that feel representative? I mean, when people started breaking down like the layers of masks worn yes. in this. Uh, yes. See, it's one of those things you could talk about for like 18 hours plus because it's, I'm talking about this one hour because the way they layer things so deep, it just you want to keep exploring and you want to mm-hmm. keep asking more questions. I mean, the chief that they have. um, I think his name is Detective Battle. That's yes. the first police officer in New York. Yes. That that's is legitimately legit, yeah. the, a real like, man. Real people guy. Keep think, and that's the thing I really encourage people to look at. Like the first episode is so clearly introducing a part of history that most people don't know. Yeah. Um, they're going to keep doing that in yeah. subtler and, and their, more interesting with, ways. With the crazy sci-fi history of Watchmen. You know, they're both together. They're real and it's the fictional. So yeah, man, uh, the whole show has been in the way that I love the original comic book. I think mm. that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons did a great job as two Brits. I think yeah. Dave Gibbons is British. Is, yeah. he, is he American? He's British guy? I'm 95% sure he's British. This sort of British team tackling the American uh, creation of superheroes and their take on it I thought was great. But cut to the show Watchmen is taking all that, recontextualizing it and being like, if you're going to look at the history of America, it, that's also the history of black people. That's the America. whole history. Mm-hmm. And they're infusing that. And it feels so, so cool. And I just wish that every show based on a comic book was this well thought out and well planned and well executed. I just wanted to ask you, because... The other conversation we've been having around the show is like the first time you read Watchmen, it's such yeah. like a, a vivid yeah. ex, like experience. I just did it recently. Yeah. 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 So you yeah. so you know like first, yeah. you're just like the whole time you're like wow just like constantly noticing things, especially now, mm-hmm. just because the things that they're he's just mentioning as things that have just happened in pop culture are now have grown to be even bigger now yeah. than the references that yeah. he's making. It's true. Do you feel you get the same experience watching the show as the first time you read the comic? Oh, yes, in and even extrapolated. Because, I'd say more so. Yeah, oh, wow. because, and again, I love comic books. It's one of my favorite art forms ever. But I'm not going to lie that when you read a comic book, you have to, you bring to it your own rhythm, your mm. own acting, your own music. Everything's in your head. Everything's so internal. It will never, and I'm sorry, I've had comic books make me cry, but even then, I will tell you, it will never beat an actor's performance in a movie because I, I personally connect to that emotion. 
mm-hmm. versus the emotion that's coming through on a page. Again, that's you. You have to bring that to it. And I've read comic books that have no live action adaptation, that have no cartoon, no nothing. I've read them and I'll cry because they're moving and they're amazing pieces of work on their own. But you cut to Watchmen. Even with like the Zack Snyder movie, which I do not enjoy, which I think has a lot of flaws, even that movie has a performance with Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach that literally moves me to tears by the end of that movie versus the thing that's happening in the one panel in the comic book. You yeah, the kill it's, me doesn't hit yeah, as hard exactly. in the comic book as as his just, desperation to be like I and it yeah. really hammers home like what's being said in the comic, which is just like yes. he's a just man who cannot live unjustly. And he's, Walking on lifts the whole time. They leave that out of the movie. <laughs> they do. But, uh, but I will be the first person to say, as much as I love comics, to see this world sort of acted out by actors and to mm-hmm. see them cry and to see them put on the masks, like you're saying, and have all the costumes and, and, and navigate their world and to, to experience it every week, it's just like reading the comic book, but even more powerful. Because the comic book is very, it's very, especially because of everything in its subject matter, it's very intellectual. You read it, and I think you're, you're, you're sort of processing what the book is saying, but I'm not necessarily feeling it. Even when everybody dies in New York at the end, but it's some this, of the fucking imagery. Like it's in incredible. Watchmen is it's it's the, the bonkers, show is bonkers, especially the, the last episode. Like I don't know yeah. how you do some of that. In a, I mean, but some of it still reminded me of a comic in it's ways very that graphic. It's very very graphic book-y. in that color, it's not saying anything. Yes. It's yeah, just the showing you this very quickly. The piano reminds me of like the panels within panels. Yes. yes. Just the way they layer it and where they place her on the piano within the frame. Um, and then using different colors to highlight story. Yep. Um, it's, Beautiful. It's clear they studied panels and the layout. Like in, I, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. And Watchmen where he's like, he's talking about one thing and it's just going back and forth between what's happening somewhere else and then to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Like Dr. Manhattan? Or? Dr. Manhattan will be yeah. talking and it'll yeah. be, it'll show oh, a yeah, panel yeah. with Dr. Manhattan, so but the next panel is somewhere else. Something else is happening. Yeah. When we I see him like on the Mars s- for the first time, he's holding the picture mm-hmm. and he's talking yeah. about those back. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That feels a lot like, cause it is just showing you glimpses of the past that are memories it's amazing so yeah first time it's tough because the first time i read Watchmen, i was a teenager Mm -hmm. and it's this kind of comic book where it's like i can't recommend it to people as their first comic that they read you need to have a really great discourse on that the other day yeah it's too dense it's real you need to have some comic book mileage under your belt a little bit you should know how to read a comic book before you start with read a comic book you should be somewhat familiar with like superheroes superheroes and Mm -hmm. those cliches and those tropes and those archetypes so but Watchmen is a great book in that it rewards you when you read it every decade of your life it will be different so it's something you can revisit but you find yourself identifying with changes so so much so yeah the first time I read it it did kind of break my brain but nowhere near to the level of the show breaking my brain okay, again there's one spoiler Jeremy Irons throws fetuses into a lake and I'm like what the fuck is happening <laughs> yeah, it's insane that's dude trying to comprehend that cloning is the thing <laughs> that got done the thing we do but not at, as um, commercialized as you see it Ugh. in the show yeah. um, it, I, I love the way they've distorted our future yeah. by building off of our history Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. The, the fact that, uh, I mean, we've already spoiled it, so I'll just keep going. The fact that Hooded Justice is black in here, yeah. and then the white eye makeup came from the third and only other panel you see of Hooded Justice, and they're like, yeah. you can see a little bit of white around the mask, so we now we have to address it. And yep. they had to go back and forth of like, well, is he a white guy? Well, no, he must be wearing makeup. Okay, well, that's like a secondary mask. He's hiding behind 
stages of masks yeah. in order to just live on a mask, his life. Puts on a mask and then the episode is black and white. Well, even that he, he puts on the badge first. If you think about he it, puts he puts the, on the yeah. badge first, and then people even like get into like the. So he finds the baby wrapped in the American flag and this idea of him wanting to cling to her liberty, law and justice being away mm-hmm. when that's not his way. Mm. You know, um, she becomes his wife, but she's also sort of his sister and sort of this like beard fill in. And mm-hmm. it's I so every so every good. aspect of his life is something he's had to hide. And I just really value that struggle being portrayed in such a vivid and honest way mm-hmm. and such a heartbreaking way, because, again, at the end, it's not. Oh, we love you, or like let your freak flag fly, or like mm-hmm. show up at a pride. Like it's just a man who lost everything and he's still searching for justice. He's so old. Like, why is he still having to fight for justice? Crazy. So good. He continues to fight for it. Nobody knows that I he's know. doing it the whole time. So good. Uh, well, I am so stoked for the rest of the season. Me um, too. I really hope that I've also been downloading the score. Oh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. So good. Oh yeah. So good. So good. And we've been looking forward to reading what you write about it every week. I look forward to reading what I'm writing about this week's episode. (laughs) I don't know yet. I hope that, uh, I know that it will probably never happen. I know that Alan Moore will probably never watch it or have anything to do with it. But I I, want him to. I would hope that at least like his daughter, who she, she went on this really wonderful and sad thing about how he was screwed over and what a shame it is because yeah. of because of what a great writer he was and how much he loved superheroes and how much he loved the genre and how much he got screwed over. Uh, I would love for her to watch the show and for like to get her takes on. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Alan Moore already said he doesn't like the show. I uh, don't know if really? he's had an opportunity to actually watch it or not. I think he, they yeah. sent him the pilot. Um, I will say the cool thing about Alan, um, he gave up all his uh, rights to Watchmen mm-hmm. and he just handed them over to Dave. Yeah. So when you see creator yeah. on this on the show, it just yeah. says Dave. Dave. Yeah. He didn't and, want his name on and, he, it, right? and, and Dave Gibbons. Well, not only did he not want his producer, name on it, but he's he like so he's getting his executive producing credit. Yeah. But he's getting both creator credits too, so he gets yeah. double checks for that. That's and awesome. I, I love a writer that sticks up for their artists because they tend to struggle. Agreed. I agree. Yeah. But because uh, Dave Gibbons doesn't oh. get near enough credit anyway. No, I know. And, 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 and too many reviews are like yep. Alan Moore's Watchmen. I'm like, y'all better put Dave Gibbons' name in there. Gibbons and Moore. Gibbons and Moore sounds so good. It does, isn't it? Gibbons and Law Office of Gibbons and Moore. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love that Alan Moore's daughter again came to bat for for Dave as well, and was like, yeah. "It's he also contributed like half of it was a collaboration, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is so cool." Nothing looks the way it um, looks without. Uh, all right, we've covered Watchmen. We've covered Do the Right Thing. Now we're gonna ask oh, Joel. Oh, I'm so excited to hear both of these runner up. And also, what? yeah, I want to hear what movies you've seen lately that you love. Yeah. Okay. Movies I've seen lately that I love. Radioactive, which is not out yet, but you'll know Marjane Satrapi. Uh, she did, um, 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 uh, what is the name of her? It's a graphic novel, Persepolis. Oh, she, oh cool. So she wrote the book Persepolis, then she Great. directed the, uh, the animated feature Persepolis. Very good. She has a new feature uh, starring Rose Burn, maybe? Mm. Um, from as, X-Men First Class? I think it's Rose. <laughs> Who's the girl from Gone Girl? Oh, uh, oh Rosamund oh. Pike. Rosamund Pike. I knew it was a Rose. Mm. Rosamund Pike as um Okay, all the names are really hard for me. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> called Radioactive. It's about the life of the woman who discovered radio radium. Oh, she cool. won two Nobel Prizes. Marie Curie? Yes. Um it's about her life, but instead of and it's based off of a graphic novel oh, cool. about but she didn't Marjane didn't write it. Um but it's the coolest film. I saw it at Tiff. I loved it. Instead of being a straight biopic of her life mm-hmm. it's the life the known life of radium That's as awesome. compared to her life oh, so like when she's having a meltdown it cuts to chernobyl 
Whoa. And so you're getting that. And she like, it's this thing she discovered where she doesn't have control of. And as a woman early in her field, you have control of a lot. Oh. And so it's like such a brilliant exploration. And it's not animated or is it at all? No, no, no. It's a live action film all the Great. way through. It's so damn good. Um, it's like having ownership, but not control. I've seen a lot of that online recently about women in science. Yes. Yeah. Straight up. Yes. Men Nobel Prize Committee. Get it together. Getting, getting the credit, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's very timely. I hope somebody like HBO or somebody picks it up so that it gets a That's wide awesome. audience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what are your two runners up, Joelle? Two runners up. Okay. Or what is your, your runner up and then your pick, right? Yeah. This is really hard. <laughs> it is. Okay. So my, my runner up will be Waitress. Whoa. Okay, but um, also you're coming Carrie back Russell. to watch The Apartment at least, and you yeah. can come back next <laughs> year and watch a movie, and so you have that many more picks. We, I will we, definitely come back and do that. We do like to have our, with our podcast, we try to have at least one person different each week for mm-hmm. the whole year. So, that makes sense. Right, because we, we know 50 at least wonderful comedians and film critics and different people, so we try to have a different person each week, but we've Eight had, years in the future, you know, I've just booked The Apartment. I just want <laughs> everyone to know. Good. It's my, my, one of my feel-good films. I watch it whenever I'm sick. It is awesome. the most beautiful film ever. Um, and Waitress. Why Waitress? Carrie Russell. Waitress was one of the first DVDs I picked up for myself. I bought mm-hmm. it at a Blockbuster. Way to date myself. I four for 20? High school. <laughs> I think so. It was definitely a deal. It was four um, copies of Waitress. I yeah. bought Hairspray the same week. Um, the John Travolta Hairspray? Oh, yeah. The best one. Uh, sorry, John Waters. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but it's just really good and I love it. Um, but I like Waitress because, um, oh God, I'm so sorry, I'm so bad at names right now. Um, the woman who directed it mm-hmm. um, was murdered. Yeah. Uh, just uh, like a month or two after the film comes, like not very Damn. long after the film is released. So we will never have another movie with her, which is devastating because the talent she showcases in Waitress is so damn oh. brilliant. It's like on the level of like a Penny Marshall doing. Um, uh, the baseball movie. League of Their Own. Thank you. Um, it's it's as timely and consistently relevant as an apartment. It is... Adrian Shelley. Adrian Shelley. Adrian Shelley. Not yeah. only a talented writer-director, she wrote and directed Waitress, um, also great actress. She's in the movie as one of the secondary characters. Mm. So damn funny. Such a freak murder, too. Some guy just broke into her house, wasn't expecting her to be there. He hung her from her shower rod. Um, The movie comes off as basically a love letter to her daughter. She's two at the time. You see her in the final shot of the movie with Carrie Russell. But the exploration of women, women who are currently working, women who are in abusive relationships and trying to get out. I like the way that she uses the romance not as the end goal, but as a way to cope with depression and anxiety. Mm. It is such a centered film about just friendship and the pies look so good guys like <laughs> it, there's everything about it is just sweet and homey but also really challenges how you think of a woman in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. because never do you feel bad for her other than like i hope she finds a way out of this mm-hmm. um is it like uh, alice doesn't live here anymore kind of you could probably draw a lot of comparisons to it but this is so bright and colorful yeah yeah. it's so like every secondary character is someone you want to like love and see outside of this film there's an old crotchety man who just comes in for his pie every day (laughs) who's like girl you are kissing someone who's not your husband what are you doing it is very judgy and then one day she comes up and it's clear she's been popped in the mouth Mm. and his whole just demeanor changes and he's like immediately on her side and there's just something about that like family within a diner setting that I just love. It's like, Myst- I compare it more to Mystic Pizza. Okay. If you're really into I love Mystic Pizza. Um, and, and it, or even... Um, My oh. connection sounds like it's Cheers. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Keller's connection. Or the share movie, uh, Moonstruck. Yes, uh, all of those. So like good. it's just family, little characters, beautiful. And I, I just Adrian Shelley should have had more time. We should have so many more yeah. movies from her. And so I think I try to honor that movie all the time because it'll did just you, make you feel good. Want to see the date show? I have listened to Sarah Benacosta's music all the time. Okay, <laughs> great. Okay. The musical is so good, guys. If you just want to get the soundtrack <laughs> off Spotify and break your heart, oh my God, she used to be mine. We'll just, don't listen to it when you're sad. You'll just be oh. like, oh my God, life. Um, it's excellent. But my my number one film uh, has not changed. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably already guessed this is what it was going to be. Uh, but it's Eve's Bayou. Um, Eve's Bayou. Yes. Oh. Bayou. Yes. So this... Um, Cassie Lemons directed it. Mm-hmm. Cassie just did Harriet. Um, oh, how was how was Harriet? I like don't love Harriet. Okay, okay. Um, I wish I always feel like we start movies in the wrong place every mm. time I see a like a biopic. Yeah, every time I see a biopic, like what did we just watch? Carol? No, not Carol. The one with Karen Knightley. She plays a lesbian. Mm. Oh, I saw that. Colette. Colette. Yes. Mm. Uh, Colette starts like right as she's getting married, but like her husband is the least interesting part of her life, and they <laughs> carry that for like three quarters of the film. And you're like, I don't care about this dud. She later in life that's... sues, takes him to court, sues him, and wins the rights to her book back. And that's, that's like the story a... I want to see. Whoa. It's like writ. That's like isn't it just written about at the end? Yeah, she's with. It's yes. not even in the fucking movie. No, not even a they little bit. They don't show any of that. Not even like that her walking movie, out of the court. Like, yay! No, it's nothing. like a, it's like a, a bad BBC drama it's went terrible. on for the, ever. Well, I know that some people uh, have strong opinions about biopics that go cradle to the grave versus like a section in time in this person. I'm life. down for whatever because okay. I freaking love Amadeus. Amadeus oh, yeah. is like yeah. top. Five films for me again around the same time that I'm getting into Waitress. I get into Amadeus and I just start watching it obsessively. And my parents are like, What is happening? This movie's older seen, than you. Have you seen Last Action Hero recently or ever? I have never seen The Last Action Hero. You should watch it. F. Murray okay. Abraham's in it. Yes. And there are Amadeus jokes. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. It's one of the more meta Do movies. Do they call him ever. Wolfie? Because. Uh, no, no, they don't call it. Wolfie. I was dating a girl, and we used to sons of Wolfie all the time. And I really, I just really love the energy of that couple. They're perfect. But let me tell okay. So East Bayou takes yeah. it's a Southern Gothic. If you enjoy Beyonce's formation video mm. um, or any of the Lemonade like album, it's visually based off of this film. It is Cassie Lemon's directorial debut. What year did it come out? Nineteen ninety eight, I believe. Wonderful. Oh, uh, Samuel Jackson is in it. He's been a longtime um, partner with her. He's like sort of make sure she gets on and like that her films are getting, he plays um, the dad. It's got a very young, oh, she's also in um, the new Birds of Prey. She plays, uh, um, Mary Elizabeth the Winstead? scream one, the girl who screams. Black, oh my God. Black the, Canary? Yes. It's got, uh, oh my God. She's got the wavy hair. She is, I have no uh, help here. Sorry. uh, like Journey Smollett. Yes. Bell? Yes. Journey yes. Smollett Bell. Yes. Journey, Journey is in it. She's a little girl. And hey. then, um, I thought she wasn't do the right thing because it was a woman who looked a lot like her. But, yeah, no. Uh, but then I'm like, no, in the she timeline, been too young. yeah, she would have been. Because she's like maybe 12 when they film yeah. this. Because she was in Full House. She was like Michelle's friend in yeah, Full House. Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's such a cutie in mm-hmm. that. Um, she's so funny in that. Uh, I love her. She's, <laughs> she was. She was way better than Michelle. I was like, get Michelle Tanner out of here. I want the best friend. I want Duckface and I want this girl who's her friend. <laughs> Honestly, though, she's yeah. got the energy. But yeah, it takes place in New Orleans. Um, in like the, around the 1930s, 19 and 50s, it goes back and forth between some of the family members. It's got like black witches, which for me as a kid, I was like, oh, I I'm fucking sold. Whoa, love, yeah, and it's so, legit witchcraft. 
Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Uh, Cassie actually plays, I think it's Cassie, plays the witch in the show. It's like, and I love it because it's all about like family secrets. Ooh. And this girl, she's named Eve after the woman who founded the bayou, which is where her whole family lives. Mm-hmm. And she has the gift of foresight. But she's young and she's not real good at using her powers. And so the things she's seeing are not really what she's, not really what's happening. She's getting clips or the wrong angle or the wrong perspective. Oh. And so every time she thinks she knows, it's very like if you're a kid who's like super smart, but like you're still a child, so you don't Harry know that Potter much. Rip this off <laughs> a little bit, and just in this that is, uh, like... order of the Phoenix, and they just rip this. They just rip. What the fuck is that? It's so it's such a brilliant, beautiful, fun movie. I love Eve's Bayou, and I feel like it doesn't get nearly enough attention. Yeah. Um, everything about it, hands down, is, is so perfect. Did you do the costumes for that? She might. Oh have. I don't gosh. remember. I can look it up right now. I wrote it down. I wrote down Eve's Bayou Good. for sure. Good. Uh, Check let it. Me, let me look up who did the costumes. Hang on, real quick. Better be good. <laughs> 1997, directed by Cassie Lemons. Yes. Written and directed by. Um, let me see here. Well, I should probably I should probably go to. What are you doing? Yeah, look at Best Supporting Actress Journey Smollett. Yeah. Won for the 1997 San Diego Film Critics Society Awards and many other things. And she deserved. Yeah. And she oh, was a boy. child, but she was really killing that role. Let me check. Not uh, Kiki Palmer, but the other girl. Let me check IMDb. Oh my God. Hang on. Some other black actress plays her older sister and is also really mm. good and young and amazing in it. Oh, I'm the worst at names. This is why I'm names, <laughs> always writing. Names aren't important. It's <laughs> faces so and feelings that matter. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I unfortunately still have the 1990 Oscars pulled up on my phone. I love it. There's no shame in that game. Um, <laughs> the 90s were amazing. Except Costume for design when by? Driving Miss Daisy wins. Costume designed by Karen Wagner. Oh, okay. Well so done. not Ruth, but like, see, if you haven't had a chance to watch it and you're into any kind of like magical realism at all, mm, uh, that's, I that's can't the recommend genre. it enough. Mm-hmm. Magical realism. That's yeah. awesome. Sold. Eve's Bayou. Well, On that board. was fantastic. Um, that's cool. Uh, 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 this was awesome. Was yes. there any other sort of recommendations you can make for movies that you've seen recently? Anything else you're feeling? Anything else you think is good? Oof. Um... You you gotta it's watch. A, what do you watch a movie every single day? I I probably watch three movies a week, but mm-hmm. I've been really into covering television lately. I just cool. find I love six then? hours. Yeah. Oh oh oh. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the new Harley Quinn is everything. I just got Great. into. Okay. I told you I just got on DC All Access, so mm-hmm. I just we're gonna be on a little bit of a kick here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started the new Justice League, y'all. If you loved the original Justice League cartoon, but kind of wanted to see live action, and you wanted to see them curse and break bones. Beast Boy eats a man. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Titans. Yes. It's, oh. sorry, it's not called Teen Titans. It's just Titans. Correct. Okay. Titans. Yeah, yeah. This is the problem with streaming. I just clicked. Um, <laughs> Titans is so okay. damn good. Okay. It is so entertaining if you're into the Titans as a team. Um, I'm not sure how, how it how feels for other people. How many episodes are you in? How many episodes are you I in? I am seven episodes into the first season. Okay. I cannot wait for you to get through all of season two. I'm going to text you. I'm so okay. excited. Text me. Text um, me. Outside of that TV, I've just been... Queen Sugar is not getting mm. the attention it deserves. Ava DuVernay has oh. essentially created a mill of a show that allows... Uh, she only hires ladies to direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, again, set in the... I love stuff set in the Deep South. Mm. Um, and it's just about like reclaiming sugar plantations, Ooh. essentially. So, Like, it, you know, in the modern day. Like, people reclaiming plantations. So, sort of, it's dealing with the narrative of black people 
initially farmed and created a lot of the produce and land Mm -hmm. uh, that sustained and built this country. Mm -hmm. And when slavery ended, a lot of them became sharecroppers. Some of them were able to eventually buy the land that they worked on. Right. But like Big Sugar came and pushed a lot of those people out. Mm. So now you're like a lot of like happening currently right now in the United States, there's a lot of black farmers trying to reclaim their land and produce sugar, which is one of the highest selling products in America and one of our it. largest exports. We um, love it here. Yeah, we love and sugar. Like finding old so like good. seeds that don't get used anymore wow. for old beans and corn and stuff. <laughs> it's very cool. It's amazing. It's a really, it's a really detailed show. It's great. Um, I also, okay, wait, Watchmen. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mention that one. No, we're going to skip that. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> and if it. you want my network option, um, I'm really into Prodigal Son. Okay. I love a murderer. I love a kid who, is he going to murder or no? Is he going to become his dad? Um, Michael Sheen is in it. He plays a serial killer oh, and he's I'm training so his son. Michael Sheen. Yeah, and then, what? Um, do you see? Uh, a serial killer training his son? So, okay, wait, have you seen um, uh, um, the Walking Dead TV show? No. Oh, fuck, okay. I've seen the first one. There was a... A baby zombie and I pass that pass that okay (laughs) the guy who plays Jesus on Walking Dead plays Michael Sheen's son oh oh. and so Michael Sheen is serial killer he gets caught when his son is like 10 his son has some repressed memories Mm. he can't remember if his dad encouraged him to kill someone or not (gasps) he doesn't remember killing but he keeps getting these flashbacks where maybe I murdered someone with my dad when I was 10 I don't remember he Cuts himself off from his dad after college. In college, he starts training. He studies his father to figure out how to get into the mind of a serial killer. He's obsessed with murder, but he doesn't want to kill himself. But he's tempted to a lot. And it's not like a, a Hannibal thing where he's like, you were rude. I got to kill you. It's like he's sort of having a constant mental breakdown fight with himself because he's just fascinated by dead people. Wow. It's so good. And the family drama is great. And the mom from, um, um, oh, crud, Shondaland, uh, President Fitz Millie is her name on the show. Oh, Madam Secretary? No. No, no, no. The other one. But it's like that. Oh, the, she's a fixer. Not Gina Davis. No. Oh, uh, damn it. Kerry Washington? Yes. There yeah. we go. Scandal. Scandal. We did it. That was the show. Yes. Millie from Scandal plays Ooh. Michael Sheen's ex. And they have so far had one scene together and it is, woo, their chemistry is off the charts. Right. I really, it's it's a All salacious right. show about a wealthy mm. white family trying not to murder people. And I love it. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I'm also into Secession. And oh, there's one more. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to get this. So many already. I know. I love TV, guys. I just, I, I'm obsessed with this era that we're currently, as we move out of the golden age, what happens next with our TV shows? The Silver Age. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's make a show about ads to- in the 70s. Uh, outside of Watchmen, like, I need to watch more good TV. because yeah, I just we I just- have a cocaine show. We have a meth show. What's the next drug we're going to do? We did Narcos. What's, uh, I know. What's, what's going to next- be? Let's do a mushroom show. I guess. Let's do a show about shrooms. Do Who's it. a big shroom guy? We had weeds. Now we have shrooms. Now we got Oh, shrooms. American Dad. American Dad. <laughs> it's right. switched to TBS. Classic go to. Here's the thing. After what, what it got off box, it switched What's to TBS. They're uh, season 15 or 16. Impressive. Uh, it has turned into its own like weird family yeah. brand of like off color humor. Steve will sometimes sing an R&B song and I have to lay down. It's so funny. It's so <laughs> I, I love this show. I was season seasons behind on that and Family Guy, but I was watching both. Mm. And then I watched all of Cleveland show. 
Mm, oh, wow. And I liked Cleveland Show, and I missed that. Cleveland Show was okay. Yeah, people don't like it as much, but I think it was my favorite of the three. And American Dad was my least favorite, but I liked a lot of moments in it. I just worried that it did that thing of like the Colbert rapport where I'm like, okay, you guys are you guys are kind of having your cake and eating it too. You're making fun of that very like, you know, very patriotic right wing type of a thing. But also, are you are you just kind of reveling in it? But uh, not Steve. What's the alien? Kevin Bacon. What's the alien's name? Roger. <laughs> Roger. Roger's like a brilliant character. Like Seth has a brilliant character on each one of these shows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's just always like a great standout character on it. Um, but now I'm behind because it was on Netflix, but they took them down. Yeah, because TBS has it now. TBS so they were they were running the Fox. You have to get to the TBS seasons. Okay. They are bonkers. Okay. They're totally different than what was happening on Fox. That that disjointed feeling. Yeah. They paved over it, and I think with less oversight, mm. they've been able to kind of flourish in their own style. Yeah. It's like dramatically different from Family Guy. Um, they not this season, but season before was like probably their their pinnacle. That was their A plus really? work. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I feel like I stopped at like season like nine or ten somewhere oh, in there you for even both. Gotten to the great stuff. Yeah, I need to get to the good stuff. Yeah, been on for a long Jeez. time those season shows. Season nine. And also, I want to start watching The Simpsons again from the beginning. That's smart, right? I mean, it's not. I did when they had the big marathon yeah. back in like 2014. Yeah, I sat and did the majority. I mean, I had to sleep, but for the majority mm-hmm. of the time, I was like up. It was just always on the Simpsons because I was just curious what that journey's like. Mm-hmm. I, I like the later seasons. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, but even these new like season 30 has been hitting for me for yeah. the most part. It's it's weird. I feel like The Simpsons has reached an era where it really depends on who's writing what episode. Mm. And I love to do a more in-depth study of that because sometimes I'll be watching and be like, this feels so, the Apu episode, mm. so out of touch. Where are you guys? Ooh. What's happening? But other episodes are like, you guys are on it. Yeah. yeah. The one that just won the Emmy. Uh, the grandpa, Grandpa Simpson revisit he's like am i gay he's like i had a weird gay moment when i was younger and i never explored it because i was told myself to shut that down how topical was it better than the bojack horseman episode no sorry i don't know what happened emmys but it is good (laughs) and it was worthy of nomination All right, that's so topical. Billy D. Williams just coming out as Flender Druid, oh Flender Druid, gender fluid. That's what it is in Star Wars. It's Flender, Flender Druid. Druid. He was Flender Druid. Ugh, yeah, Flanders. good lord, what a great day for <laughs> gay black people everywhere. I yeah. loved that moment. That was great. Beautiful. Uh, Joel, this has been fantastic. We talked about so much. I'm really proud of us. We covered the gamut. We talked about everything. (laughs) We used a great movie as a springboard to talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, Before we go, Keller, what movie are we talking about next week? And who's our guest going to be? Next week, we are watching Little Miss Sunshine. (gasps) That's a good movie. Let me see where it's uh, streaming for everybody. I own it. You own it. Yeah, no one can come over, though, to watch it with us. Want to let everybody know. on their own. I want to let everybody know where they can watch it if it's streaming anywhere. And Little Miss Sunshine, which came out in 06. It's not Guys, sh- you don't own it, buy it. Yeah. It's, it's worth not, it. It's not streaming, but it is rentable for like three bucks on PlayStation Ash Network. Ash Crossin's on that episode? Okay. Ash Crossin is going to be our guest. love Ash. Ash is the best. We're, I'm sure we're going to talk about Star Wars and whatever Crazy. else she wants to talk about. That girl, little girl's a full-ass adult now. Yeah, yeah she is. <laughs> I see her on Killing the TV zombies and left I'm and like, right. wow. What? What little? Oh, you're talking about Abigail Breslin. Oh, you're talking about. I thought you were talking about Ash Crossan. Read a book. No. I was like, how long have you known Ash Crossan? Ash Crossan's killing zombies. That's crazy right. that she's grown up now. Little girl's a grown ass woman now, <laughs> killing zombies. Wow. I'm like, yes, her career is going good. Yeah, yeah she's she's killing it. Killing zombies. <laughs> Abigail Breslin. So, guys, Little Miss Sunshine is rentable on Redbox. PlayStation, Amazon, just rent it three or four bucks. Two, th- yeah, three to four guys, bucks. Guys, don't rent it. Buy it. Well, Purchase we'll buy it. it. It's worth owning. 
Keller's got the Blu-ray. Can't wait to watch I it. I won't burn it for you. No, That's don't. illegal. <laughs> we'll watch it together. Piracy isn't a victimless crime. <laughs> uh, Joel, thank you again uh, so much for coming on. Thank you so Where much. Where can listeners follow you and your work, and is there anything that you'd like to point them to? Ooh, uh, you can follow me at Joel Monique on all the platforms, but I'm only on two, so it's mm-hmm. it's Twitter and Instagram. Um, that's all of them. That, mm-hmm. That's it. That's all we really care about anymore. Uh, Tumblr imploded. It was not pretty. Bye, uh, point you to... Get rid of porn. <laughs> what are you going to do? Bye. That will kill Bye. most industries. Explo- you can't Explo- tease us with it and then yank it away. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, go to the theater and see some movies. Um, oh, you know what? I know. Philip Eumanns, uh, who is Ava DuVernay's new protege, he's 19. He won um, Tribeca with his film Burning Cane. It's now streaming on Netflix. Whoa. Uh, if you, a 19-year-old filmmaker should bore you to tears, and somehow he has a lot of really beautiful and heartbreaking things to say about um, faith in the Deep South. And his next movie okay. is about a disenfranchised Black Panther clan. Uh, also in the deep south and I just think that this kid is so bright and he's got a lot of really great years ahead of him and I would really wow. like it if we supported his art uh, this early in his career what was I his name that. again Philip Usman Y-O-U-S-M-A-N wow I love that I love Bernie Kane go watch it Bernie Kane Netflix Philip Usman Joel Monique thank you again for joining us thank you on so do the much. right thing this was awesome we're gonna have to have you back next year but also I'm, I'm penciling you in for the apartment I really appreciate it I'm gonna be so, I need it 2028 you will be here for I will the, the, the what is it number 12 like it's yeah it's, it's high up, up there, there. Yeah, it's yeah, high up there, there. Uh, so guys, go follow Joelle Monique on Twitter and Instagram was the other one, right? Yes. That's the one we care about. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. Go watch Little Miss Sunshine <laughs> and we'll be back next week with Ash Cross. And bye guys. Bye. bye. <laughs> That's just the universal way to say bye now. Uh, yes. No, that's how we all do it. <laughs> it's bye. by Marina Mastros, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> my, grand- my mother has picked it up and that's just very weird. Good enough uh, for Someone me. taught yeah. her hunty and I was like, you can't hang out with that person anymore. <laughs> it's not allowed. Everything is yes, hunty. I'm like, mommy, who are you chilling with? Do you know what it means? <laughs> <laughs>